Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. We've had a lot of fun talking about Mandalorian, and now that, that show is over, we're diving back into what we are doing, a rewatch of the Clone Wars TV show. Uh, this show is for all of those who have seen the show and loved it, people who are watching along, but also, as I know I've heard from a lot of you, folks who have seen the Mandalorian, you're really excited about Ahsoka and all these things that are being referenced from the Clone Wars and Rebels, and this is for you too. Um, there's going to be a lot in here to help catch you up. I think The Clone Wars is a great TV show. has some rough spots. Definitely recommend watching it. But if you want to just get caught up and be ready for all the great content coming in 2021, this is going to be a great thing for you to listen to. By the end of this year, our plan is to have finished The Clone Wars, finished the TV show Rebels, as well as covered some of the other essential things like the Ahsoka novel, some of the Star Wars video games, all the Star Wars content you could watch. So... I hope for a lot of you who found us during The Mandalorian to stick around and continue to enjoy and continue to be part of these conversations. I'll be back to all of that with my regular Clone War co-hosts, Riki and Sarah, right after this commercial break, over which we have no control. Welcome back. This is My name is Matthew. And I'm joined once again by Riki and Sarah Hayashi. Uh, folks, I, I've spoken, Riki, a little bit with you over The Mandalorian. Sarah, I know you got super busy with school, so it is just so good to be back with you two. And, and frankly, I've really enjoyed getting back into Clone Wars. Yeah, it's been it's been great. I do I do want to give everyone a little a little bit of our our cats being a jerk warning. Okay. Um, <laughs> so there there might be some some background noise, and apologize for that. But yeah, it's it's good to be back recording with you and talking clone wars mm-hmm. instead yeah. of clone wars co-hosts you could just call us your clone hosts Ooh. oh i like that i like that um people might question why our voices sound so different but that's just because <laughs> the voice actor playing all three of us has incredible range yeah um, it's also <laughs> appa on uh avatar for sure for sure um <laughs> which is also funny because now I love Avatar, but now when you say Appa, I think of Appa from um, Kim's Convenience, uh, Paul Sung Kim, the actor of whom was in Star Wars, was in The Mandalorian. So the Appa references are just always going to be bouncing around. Yeah. Um, I feel like I, I might need to give back my Canadian passport because I haven't seen Kim's Convenience yet, but I've heard lots of good things. It is a very, very good show. I don't know if I would have watched it if the actor hadn't shown up in this and... Um, we won't get too far into it, but uh, we talked a lot about this during The Mandalorian. But the actor is a huge, huge, huge <laughs> Star Wars geek. And so there's a great video of him talking about this. Uh, I'll put a, look, a link in the show notes. It's basically just what happens when, like, an uber fan gets to be in the thing he's a fan of. Like, literally, he was able to tell um, the people making Mandalorian they didn't need a costume for him. He had his own costume. Um, <laughs> That's fantastic. So, yeah, great, great stuff there. It's a great show. I definitely recommend it. Um, but yeah, so we're back to the Clone Wars TV show. We're jumping back in in the middle of season three. For anyone who's just joining us now, we have episodes about all all the episodes that have come up until now. And going forward, we're gonna try we're gonna touch on every episode, but we're really gonna focus on the ones that are kind of most relevant for the plot, or the ones that are most relevant for characters we love, or just kind of great moments. Um, so for the two of you, I just want to start by how did it feel, kind of getting back into Clone Wars and back into these conversations. Well, season three, as we left off, has been the best season so far, by far. Um, it's similar to the 90s Star Trek shows and that the first two seasons, not that great. They established the characters and some of the basics of how the show works. 
but then season three just takes off and um you know we had darth maul earlier this season we had the mandalorian arc you know which yep. becomes much more relevant mm-hmm, uh, i think sure. these episodes a little bit of a letdown maybe from that still still good quality but mm-hmm. just not as relevant you know one thing i think you're right these episodes were not quite the height that we got to in a lot of season three and that i know we're going back to uh, in season four and five but they're but they're fairly good and they had a lot that i wanted to get into yeah, it feels uh, kind of weird coming off the back of um, the previous episodes, too, which I know were very, like, polarizing between mm-hmm. us. Yeah, um, yeah to, to get back into this. And I like um, that we're far enough into the series that we're getting into more arcs of episodes instead of just um, the sort of one-offs. Right. Uh, like, we did have a few arcs in season one and two, but this seems to be more consistently, like we're willing to show one story over three episodes, for example. Yeah, I mean, like today, we're going to basically be talking about two stories. It's just that one of them happens over three episodes and one of them over two. Mm-hmm. I, I will also say, just on the quality of the season, we were t- we were told that we were going to... We were told that General Grievous was important to the story in the last two episodes, but we never saw him. And I think, does that mean we have not seen him this entire season, or am I forgetting something? Oh, he invaded Camino at the very beginning. Mm. That's true. Is That's that true. it? Is that all we've seen of him? Yeah, I mean, this was very much not a General Grievous season, and I can't say I'm terribly disappointed about that. Like, he's a fun character, but I don't think he makes the interesting antagonist that a lot of the others they've introduced this season do. Yeah, I think I think he could, but they just don't. And I think it's also tricky, especially when you have someone appearing in the movies, right? Because you know mm-hmm. they have to end at a specific point. So you maybe as a writer don't want to get too involved with that character because then you're sort of shoehorned in the closer to the end of the series you get. For sure. For sure. Well, I was going to say that the first three episodes we're dealing with here, I just thought it was too long. Like Mm. It would have been fine as a two-parter. And then there was just another episode in there and they just added a bunch of what I felt was like unnecessary stuff just just to be filler. I thought it was such an interesting way to jump back into the Clone Wars because it both remind. There was a lot of stuff in here that reminded me of what I just flat out like about this show. There was a lot of stuff that I'm I'm looking at and being like, oh, okay, I see how that's setting up stuff that we saw in Mandalorian. And then you're right, there was a lot of just filler. You know, there's a lot of space battle. There was a lot of um, random stuff and a lot of just like chase scene after chase scene after chase scene. But to dive into these three stories, let's give a quick summary of the plot of them. Um, so, and I'll kind of jump from the episode summaries. We start with uh, a Jedi Master named uh, Master Evan Peel, who is not part of Yoda's species. He is taller and his ears are slightly different, but he looks a lot like a Yoda. Um, he is in possession of these hyperspace coordinates that could harm both the Jedi and the Separatists alike. I think it's kind of like a bunch of secret hyperspace passageways in and out of the core. It's a little bit hand-wavy, but fair enough. Um, <laughs> And both he has half of them, and also half of them are being held by a just random Republic officer who we've never really heard of before, named Captain Tarkin, <laughs> who will of course become Grand Moff Tarkin uh, by the time we get to New Hope. The, the nature of these three stories is an attempt to break this Jedi out of the prison uh, to save him, and also to protect the secrets that he has and make sure the Separatists don't get them. Obi-Wan and Anakin plan the, plan the assault and the escape, uh, Ahsoka 
kind of basically tags along, and we have some great dynamics between her and Anakin about how all that happens. And there's epic rescues. And then during the course of the rescues, um, a couple of the clones are killed. One of them, uh, including, is a character named Echo, who we have really gotten to know. Uh, and as far as we can tell, he's been killed. And also the Jedi Master, uh, Evan... Uh, e- e- the Jedi it's Master. Evan it's Peel. Evan. It's just That's Evan Peel, which is like the yeah. least Jedi name. <laughs> I know. It's, Sounds like I, someone I, you I, went I, to high school with. Yeah, Jedi it's, Master Greg. It's spelled E-V-E-N, so I kind of mm-hmm. want to be like even or something, but it's no, and they just pronounce it as Evan. Yeah, and Peel too is like sp- spelled P-I-E-L-L, so like you want to pronounce It's just Evan Peel. P-L, just yeah, Evan no. Peel. <laughs> you know, but he, he only has one eye and he's kind of badass and uh, has a great Russian accent, so True. We, we like him. Um... <laughs> But yeah, and so there's battles, and I I feel like the plot to this, there wasn't very much the plot. It was just that it had a lot of great character moments uh, that, that, for me, were really what made me enjoy it. Yeah, the I mean, just hearing the plot overall, right? Like, there was a Jedi who was abducted. He had information. Our heroes go to rescue him. Sounds like it could just be a single episode and not three episodes, which maybe speaks to, like, Riki's point about it being an episode too long. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, it's it's really I love 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 the Ahsoka Anakin interactions, mm-hmm. and it also just like hammers home, uh, Ahsoka or sorry Anakin maybe shouldn't have a Padawan. Yeah, uh, and then the Anakin Tarkin interactions are also really really great because we start to see little flashes of Anakin doubting the Jedi and mm-hmm. like starting starting to question if like is the dark side mm-hmm. right for me. Oh, you like tyranny. I too like tyranny. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like your pals with uh, Chancellor Palpatine. Well, I'm pals with Chancellor Palpatine. Let's have a handshake and play my theme song in the background. Bum, 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 bum. What I think is most interesting about it is it's an old story of the best way to manipulate someone is with some of the truth. Mm. And what what um Anakin and Tarkin start talking about is the fact that both of them believe that as as Tarkin says, the Jedi are inefficient. Gen- the Jedi are inefficient at waging war. Mm-hmm. The Jedi code prevents them from going far enough to achieving victory to do whatever it takes to win. Yeah, and the, I mean, the Anakin points out, you know, we're peacekeepers, right? Why are we in charge of the war? And we've had episodes previously where, we're like, ah, to keep peace, you must make war. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a fair point, and maybe the Jedi do have a bit too much power which is like why they built the citadel question mark yeah that that and i want to get to the citadel but i want to just stay on this point that that mm. Turkin's making for a second because i you know I, he's kind of making the general Patton argument of you know the the best the most ethical way to fight a war is to win it as quickly as you can um which i don't necessarily agree with but i i understand the position and certainly i feel like this show has done a lot to also show us that trying to fight a war honorably and with the, the restraints the Jedi feel, often involves the death of lots and lots and lots of clone soldiers whose lives they don't take as seriously as maybe they should. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so I really love that moment of, I don't even know if Tarkin's intentionally manipulating him. It's just that you can see, as you said, how he's getting to Anakin and that Anakin is really starting to question because on some level they're right. The, and this is palpatine's whole plan what makes it so brilliant is that the jedi shouldn't be war leaders they're not trained for it and that's part of why things are going so badly yeah i i mean i don't think tarkin is intentionally manipulating anakin in any way shape or form i think it's just like their beliefs are aligning 
and Tarkin is, I mean, he's a jerk. He's a real big jerk to Ahsoka, especially. Mm-hmm. The rest of the Jedi see Tarkin as maybe being a little too, too warmongery, not um, caring enough. Whereas Anakin's like, no, this guy's got a point. Yeah, <laughs> he's kind of, he's kind of talking his way through like a rough draft of the Tarkin doctrine, which yeah. is you know what leads to the Death Star and the idea that you can control populations through fear, which is just it's. It's ridiculous. Like we re- we rewatched a New Hope, and you already have star destroyers who can basically level a city, right, on a planet through orbital bombardment. Why do you need to blow up the whole planet? You know, like I think Matthew, you and I talked about this with Thrawn, where he was more efficient and like we're not going to blow everything up here because we need the resources. Right. But if you have a name as cool as <clears throat> Death Star, I feel like you just need <laughs> to use it for something. But yeah, no, I mean it's. It's a good point. It seems like it's just this desire for all out annihilation, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, and here's the thing: I I agree with you both. I think that it's kind of ridiculous to think that if you have more and more force, you can eventually crush an insurgency. It's never been. I mean, it's almost always proven to not work, and yet you still have people who will tell you that if the Americans or the French had been able to use enough force, they would have Gosh. won in Vietnam or Algeria or. How many places around the world do we still say that, you know, if we'd had enough force, we could have crushed Iraq a lot faster or beaten Iran? Yeah. You know, it's, so, it's both like, I, I look at Tarkin's thinking, I'm like, this is completely nuts. But it's also completely believable because it happens in our own world all the time. Yeah, it's, completely believable that he would think this way. Yeah, totally. It's the Rambo argument, right? I think those movies were predicated on, oh, if only we had let, let John Rambo do his thing, we would have won in Vietnam. Right. But the politicians wouldn't let us. Right, right. Those and the Jedi and their pesky code wouldn't let Rambo come in and kill everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting also because you Obi-Wan is there for part of the conversation with Anakin and uh, Tarkin. There's a theme that we're seeing in the show that I'm very curious about, um, especially because I've now seen it explored somewhat in the Kenobi novel, which is canon, which I think will in- inspire the Kenobi TV show a lot, which is that he keeps seeing these signs of Anakin starting to be tempted and he makes kind of a, like a snide comment. He makes kind of a, like a jibing comment of like, that doesn't really seem like the, the role of a peacekeeper, but he never actually steps in and says like, Anakin, no, you're, you're going in really bad directions here. That's yeah. all he knows how to do. I was going to say, if there's one thing I love about Obi-Wan Kenobi, no moment for him is inappropriate for a sarcastic remark. Yes. <laughs> well, and it's great, but it's also, I feel like there are, there are definite times where I think maybe more than a sarcastic comment could have helped. Oh, 100%. Like, he's, I think as we discussed before, he's the older brother, whereas Anakin needed a father. Yeah, the mm-hmm. duel of the fates. Mm-hmm. And he was the wrong role model to to lead him. Yeah, and even with, like, um, <clears throat> well, would, here in this, episode, in this episode arc, when <laughs> Ahsoka, they, they tell her she's not on the mission, and she says, but I would like to be. And like you can't you can't tell me it's too dangerous. I should get to decide when to put myself in danger. Which I mean, fair point. But Anakin says no, she's not on the mission. And she says, like, well, if if I've he's like, that's an order. He's like, if I've learned anything from you, Master, it's like not to obey orders. Yeah. 
Which is true. Like, that's exactly what she's learned from him. And then Obi-Wan just kind of, like, chuckles about it and is like, oh, looks like you taught her well, Anakin. Ooh. Yeah. Instead of being like, no, Ahsoka, follow rules, Anakin, do better. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that I think that's exactly true. And I, um, we'll, we'll get more to Ahsoka in a second, but I just wanted to say about Obi-Wan, mm. for me, it is, that moment especially rang true because... As I said, in, in the novel Kenobi, which is now part of the canon, and the, I think in the TV show we'll see more of this when, when he gets his own show, in the book he, he he wrestles with those moments. And he has these moments of very understandable guilt about what happened to Anakin. And like, could he have done more? And could he have stopped him? And so I just, I, it's one of the things I think that makes me so excited about the, the, new, the new content we're getting is that I feel like all of these subtle themes that were planted in the Clone Wars are getting paid off now. And it just mm-hmm. makes me enjoy them so much more seeing them now in the Clone Wars. Yeah, definitely. And and more more sort of like explicitly paid off, whereas I think the, the Clone Wars deals with such a wide breadth of topics that I think like if you were to just watch it in isolation, you might not get as much out of it, right? Because they're just kind of like flying by, like this idea of... Obi-Wan dealing with guilt, like you mentioned, right? I don't mm-hmm. think I'd pick up on that necessarily. No, I mean, I, th- I think in the show, he's not feeling guilty. I think it's that we're seeing moments in the show where we're thinking maybe you could have done more and that later uh, he's he's kind of reflecting on it later and feeling guilty. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, do- oh totally. Yeah. There's a moment where they, they, almost, they almost get blown up and... Ahsoka and Anakin sort of like dive dive for cover and barely make it, and I think it's coming to like mm, nice of you to join us, yeah. um, <laughs> right? It's it's just like this constant barrage of sarcasm, and I think it is like hiding this deeper caring, mm-hmm. um, because Jedi aren't supposed to care, right? Like he's not right. supposed to have been in love with Satine, he's not supposed to love Anakin. So is he like just burying it all with these sarcastic remarks and then like looking back, like maybe he should have cared a little bit more, or like at least shown um, that care a little more. Should have said, I love you, Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you only tell someone that you're their brother when they're about to kill you. It doesn't count as much as if you'd said it earlier. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about the Citadel. Um, oh, yeah. Because it seems like this was a prison that was built by the Jedi, or at least people involved with them. Anakin describes it as, it was built for the Jedi in case any of us lost our way. Yeah. Um, what, what's what? our take on this? It was built by Jedi for Jedi. Um, it feels it feels very uh, much like the Sokovia Accords, like that sort of situation. Um, slash, oh, what's the thing in... Um, super friends where they have that like batman has like a big outer space the watchtower the watchtower is that it he's Mm -hmm. like we can blow up superman in case we need to get rid of superman yeah um where there's this idea of like who who will watch the watchmen right but then the jedi are the ones who decided that the jedi need to be watched so yeah, I mean, it's the kind of exact opposite themselves? of yeah. what the Sokovia Accords are supposed to be about, because the, mm. there is no external accountability. Yeah, but it, it seems like it's almost like a deflection of external accountability. Like, oh, no, 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 we don't need external accountability. We have internal accountability. It's fine. Yeah. We have the Citadel, which is now being taken over by separatists. So that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, sure. like, I, yeah, it's just so strange to find out that this place exists. 
um, pretty ominous, right? Like, this is what we do with the bad Jedi. I, the look of it is just kind of amazing and doesn't make sense, but yeah. <laughs> still looks good. I mean, it's a planet that's been blown up or like half of it's missing. Yeah. And the other that. half is just like streaming out magma into space. Yeah. So that was cool. But, <laughs> yeah, but I, I've seen watch? planets like that in other shows and it's it's always like, how does that even work? Yeah, it's not how gravity works. Oh, well. Yeah, that that was that was kind of funny. Um, they do love the lava rivers in the Star Wars universe. Um, not quite oh, sure right. why, but that's always a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes a nice. I mean, you know, instead of like dropping someone into the river and then setting their body on fire, you can now literally drop them into a river of fire. So like, yeah, yeah two for one. Why not um, both? <laughs> don't even have to shoot the arrow. Oh, exactly. The flaming arrow. Exactly. The boat. Yeah. Who? Ugh. There was a, a a clone fell into the river of lava. Oh. Right. Right before. Yeah. I forget his name. Sorry. I, well, Sorry here's the interesting thing, um, and I will say there's some things that come up in this episode that um, are paid off much later in the show, and so we're going to hold off on any discussion of those until a spoiler section at the end. Um, but I did think it's very interesting that when Echo dies, we're very concerned about that because Echo's a character we know, and all the clones seem very concerned about that. But you're right, when another one of them falls into the river, like, I don't think we ever knew his name. And the others are just like, oh, that sucks. Let's keep going. They're not even like, that sucks. They're like, oh, now the Separatists know we're here. Right? They're just like, that That jerk, he had to fall to his death and alert them of our presence. Oh, speaking of complete tangent, but fall to the death reminded me that we get a, um, we get a scream. A Wilhelm this. scream. Yeah. yeah. I think it's in, during the space battle. One of the pilots does a Wilhelm scream as his like ship, his starfighter blows up. Yeah, I, I think Tangent that was over. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a fun <laughs> moment for sure. It's a fun <laughs> moment for sure. Um, one other little thing that I noticed that I thought was kind of fun is, and I'd totally forgotten about this until now, but that Anakin obviously now knows about cryogenic freezing, which. <laughs> I haven't seen Empire Strikes Back in at least a year or so, so I don't remember it exactly. But my memory is that Vader seems fairly confident that it's going to work. And he wants to test it out on Solo, and he offers to compensate Boba Fett if it doesn't work. But he seems fairly, you know, he needs to double check with the people there, because maybe it's a different facility. But he at least seems to think this is a a possibility. And I I like getting to see why he does that, because he's done it himself. He knows it's it's possible. Yeah. And doesn't want to explain, like, Listen, dudes, I used to be a Jedi way back in the day. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it seems to have gone a lot worse for Han, though, than it did Mm -hmm. for uh, these guys. And maybe Han was just, like, in the Carbonite for much, much longer, which is why he was, like, blind for a day. A day, yeah. Um, And, yeah, like, not not walking well, whereas our team, when they were unfrozen, they were, like, fine right away. But they were also only in Carbonite for, like, maybe an hour. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Obi Wan make I, I, like Obi Wan makes like a funny reference to that, right? When he sees Ahsoka, and he's like, "I don't think my eyes are working right after the freezing." Mm, yeah, because that must be Ahsoka here, who you yep. expressly <laughs> banned from coming. So yeah. let's get into the Ahsoka and Anakin of it all, because I I think in many ways that's the core relation. Anakin and Ahsoka and Anakin and Obi Wan are kind of the core relationship of the Clone Wars. 
And both of them obviously are going to have big repercussions both on the, the later movies, but also all the content that's coming for us soon. Um, so do you mind, I would love for either one of you or both of you, just take a minute and kind of catch us up on what have we seen about this relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin up to this point? Anakin is not a good teacher, much as Obi-Wan later says he was not a good teacher for Anakin. But but it's, I mean, it's, he's constantly not following orders of like the Jedi Council or Obi-Wan or whoever the heck and just doing his thing. And they let him do it, I guess. And, and she's learned from that example which comes to play in this episode and she's like no like i want to come along doesn't follow follow a direct order from him um but it's so so it's it's like a it's not a good uh teacher student relationship but it is a good relationship between them as as um beings as individuals for sure. Because they show a lot of caring for each other. Mm-hmm. And they they constantly bicker back and forth, kind of like on a, on a sibling level. Yeah. But ultimately, like, they really care about each other. Uh, and there's been several episodes where, you know, one or the other is lost or believed dead. And the other one is like, no, like, we're going to keep looking until, you know, until we find them. Yeah. Not in these next two episodes, but right. usually... <laughs> Well, you know, even even here, we you're right, not in the, the last two episodes, but in, in this plot arc, we mm. do see Anakin doing that same thing of he doesn't want to abandon the search. He doesn't want to go back to the war. He wants to stop everything and find Ahsoka. Mm. Um, and I, I think it's interesting because, and again, it's subtle, but I think it's so helpful. The relationship between the two of them, I think, really highlights how they're both, but especially Anakin, because he's teaching her bad Jedi. You know, I mean, that they're... They have big attachments to each other. They have big attachments to the troops that work with them. And on the one hand, I think they're clearly setting up that that's a big part of why Anakin falls to the dark side, because he cares too much, because he isn't able to have the detachment that the rest of the Jedi do. Mm. But I think it's also setting up that that detachment is kind of unreasonable and kind of stupid. Like, it, it's I think it's doing this really good job of, like, Ahsoka and Anakin are bad Jedi, but does that mean that they're bad Force users? Or is there something wrong with the Jedi themselves or something much more complicated there? Yeah, totally. Like, Anakin falls because of his attachment. It's kind of a like a, th- a thing we all accept. But mm-hmm. if maybe Obi-Wan had shown more attachment, maybe he wouldn't have fallen. Right. Right? Yeah, in the same way that Obi-Wan questions and blames himself ahsoka as well yeah we, we see later on she thinks if she had been there for anakin she could have prevented his fall right which i mean if you think about it it's um the relationship you're right is very sibling but also in a it's not like you know one person's two years older it's very much the like the sibling who's basically a parental figure but also kind of a sibling and yeah you know there's something really unhealthy when the the child sees their parent fall apart and thinks it's their fault um so i think that kind of you know there's a lot of codependency there between the two of them but it's but it's also really sad and beautiful and that's um we'll get later on and especially when we get to rebels to some great scenes between the two of them yeah oh yeah rebels (laughs) so oh yeah definitely Mm -hmm. but yeah i um i don't know was there more that you want to talk about with this arc we've all talked about this before that in this show one real inconsistency that we don't love 
is the battle droids and that they are presented as comic relief and often are just kind of annoying but then also i mean they're shown to die in these ridiculously funny ways or at least that's what we're supposed to think like they're both sentient but also like haha look they're getting slaughtered and they're they're fearful and and r2 r2d2 in this gets to actually command a small group of droids and there's kind of some nice moments of him like them following him and him being a leader and then there's this moment at the very end that I think is meant to be kind of touching of them realizing that they have to stay and like basically sacrifice themselves so that everyone else can save themselves. And they have this beautiful moment of like, you know, Commander R2, it was an honor to serve under you. And then they all go, go die comically. Yeah. <laughs> Just like pick a, pick a tone, you know, pick an emotional tone you want. Yeah. I thought the battle droids were super interesting because they, so they, mentioned that r2d2 has reprogrammed them to be the good guys Mm -hmm. um and as i was watching it i was like it would i would have just loved it if instead of reprogram to be good it was like they deprogrammed them from being bad and they have chosen to be good um because in so many ways it seems like 3po and r2 are choosing to be to be good to you know act on the light side of the force but it's like, it, are all droids just programmed and they can't be anything more than their programming? Like, where does this leave us with K2SO in uh, right. Rogue One? Right? Like, I don't know. I think, yeah, and, and it was like a real touching moment at the end. And then they prep fall to their death, which is yeah. <laughs> what a battle droid is, is going to do, I guess. But yeah. For sure. For sure. Anyway, I think that's about all we want to say about this plot line. So shall we move on to the second? Yeah. Um, so what do you want to give the plot summary of these last two episodes? Uh, so we're back on Felucia, which is not Fallujah, different place. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, Ahsoka gets kidnapped by a group of Bosks. Trandoshans. Thank you. Um, who have a whole planet dedicated to hunting other creatures, other sentient creatures for sport. Um, so Ahsoka is trapped on this planet as she runs into another group of young Padawans or Jedi younglings who have been on this planet for a long time, like right. five years, I think they say. Uh, yeah, because they were surprisingly grown up. Yes. Uh, and they end up thwarting the not Trandoshans, Tard oh my gosh. The Bosks. Right. Yeah, the Bosks is <laughs> the, the the same species as Bosk. Every Yoda is a Yoda. Every Bosk is a Bosk. Um and run into uh but before they do, they they have the help of a a familiar, a familiar face who uh gets captured and dropped off <laughs> on the planet. Uh and then conveniently Obi Wan is absent when uh when the team returns to pick up Ahsoka and all the heroes. Mm-hmm. I do want to make a quick comment. Disney Plus has some of the best content out there right now as a streaming mm-hmm. network. And one of the just oh. absolute worst user interfaces. Because Oh my gosh, yeah. I had totally forgotten who it was who shows up until I loaded up the episode and it said Wookiee as part of the <laughs> title. And it says in the notes that are big, they get help from Chewbacca. Yeah, I was like, come on, <laughs> right. spoilers, please. Oh gosh, have you have you been on Disney Plus since like day one? Uh, not day not day one, but pretty soon after that, yeah. Yeah, it's 
the user interface has gotten shockingly better, like markedly better, mm-hmm. which I think is just a comment of how completely garbage it was at the very beginning. Like you, it didn't, it didn't even keep you uh, like on track with what episode you were watching. So sometimes we'd boot up Clone Wars, and it would just be like, "Do you want to start the Clone Wars all over again from the beginning? Here you go." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely not the best, and I had to be yeah. careful not to read episode summaries of Mandalorian. Um, oh, but yeah, putting that aside, um, <laughs> I think there were some fun moments in these two episodes. I think they were a step down from the last three. Uh, what what was your take on this arc? I mean, it was nice to hear Mark Hamill. Um, it was just, it was like a typical Hunter episode. Yeah. Meaning, like, we've seen that, you know, the Predator is the prime example, right? This race that kidnaps sentient beings and hunts them for sport. Right. Um, in, in Star Trek uh, Voyager, I think they're just called the Hunters, maybe? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the um, race that takes over the Voyager and uses the holodeck to enact World War II hunting exercises. Right. And then, uh, yeah, and and they always seem to be like a similar lizardy race, alien race. You know, the Predator wasn't a lizard, but they have the same kind of uh, like sound effect, right? Like the, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't do it, but, but they sound lizardy. Yeah. I've been on TikTok recently, and one of the sort of TikToks I've fallen into is the stuff that's calling out anti-Semitism, because there's unfortunately a lot of it there. So I'm a little more sensitive to it uh, from that. But I, I did kind of roll my eyes at, like, really, the lizard people have to be the evil ones. Um, fair Wait. enough. It's it, it's a big stretch to connect it to anti-Semitism, I know. But still, it's just like, maybe I'd like to see some good lizards every now and then. Um, but even putting that aside, you're right. I think that the whole um, hunting... It feels like a fairly common trope, but I thought this was a perfectly fine way to do it. And I get why they would want to go after young Jedi, because it's kind of like, hey, look, we can kill a Jedi. Or I should say young Force users, because they are not Jedi. Um, They're younglings, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, is the understanding that these people were kidnapped as Padawans, or that they were sort of taken on their way to become Padawans? Yeah, they they refer to themselves as younglings. Um, and when they get Ahsoka, they seem to be real thrilled that they have a Jedi. And then, uh, the, is it Dahl is the son's name? Can prove himself as a mighty hunter. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to continue on the whole, the race thing, like, yeah. this, this is a, um, conversation that's been happening in D&D a lot, I think, about the inherent evilness of, you know, orcs, mm-hmm. right? Or the, the goodness of elves. Mm-hmm. And they are... They are trying to move away from that and establish that no, like, these races aren't all monolithically the same and there can be different people. And this is something I I think science fiction also has to reckon with is like, no, the lizard people aren't always evil. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Feel free to get rid of this. I'm confused about the the ties with lizard people and anti-Semitism. How is that a thing? Question mark. Like, what? What? It's. Um, it, it is an utterly ridiculous sounding thing until you realize that there's a lot of people who buy into things like this. But you start with the and I I'm not an expert in this by any means. And if we have experts who know much more about it, please write in. But the basic idea of it is that you start with kind of the um, anti-Semitic tropes and myths that have been around for a long time. They were very prevalent in the 19th century, especially of that. There's the secret cabal of. Um, Jews who 
run all the financial institutions and run the media and all of this. And more recently, there have been versions that are about, you know, the um, the lizard people who run okay. all of this. And it's kind of, whether it's an alien thing or things like this, it's, it's definitely way out there. But it's very clearly the continuation of the same ideas. And there's a lot of commentary about, like, the, the noses of, you know, the snouts of the lizards being, like, the, the noses of Jews and... and Oh, I mean, it just sounds ridiculous to say it out loud, but it's definitely something that if you kind of poke into the dark corners of the internet, you'll see a lot about, uh, well, which is not a recommendation to do it. It's a very <laughs> stupid, ridiculous thing, but it's, I, I think yeah. there's there's some sensitivity to the idea of lizard people always being this evil. Um, but I don't think there's an ounce of anti-Semitism in any of the writers of the Clone Wars by any means. It's more just sort of like, you know, being aware of a trope that you're stepping onto that people probably don't realize they are. Yeah, no, I had, I mean, so I'd, I'd heard the, like, Queen Elizabeth is a lizard theory, and, mm-hmm. like, Chrissy Teigen needs to buy children off the internet because she's a lizard or something like that, like, those insane theories, yeah. but yeah, so, I didn't, I didn't connect it with that. So the QAnon stuff, like, the trafficking of children, like, mm-hmm. some of it, they claim, is for sex, you know, a la Jeffrey Epstein, but some of these people believe that, um... You know, Hillary Clinton needs to drain the blood of children to sustain her immortality. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, anyway, getting back to a completely much more <laughs> believable world of the Jedi and yeah, the, of the lasers the, and all these yeah. and stuff like that. Um, I do like that. Yeah, I think I, I, I think I misspoke. This is where we see that Anakin doesn't want to give up on Ahsoka. Um, not the last three episodes. Um yeah, but he so he doesn't want to. But then Obi Wan's like, "If you trained her well, she'll be fine." And he's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I guess," <laughs> and like doesn't actually oh, no. break all the rules and, and and go try and find her, which seems a little out of character for Anakin. Mm-hmm. But well, and it is also interesting because, like we said, it's never really exactly explained. But I think the clear implication is supposed to be that whether they were Padawans or just like younglings in transit. Or something, whoever was responsible for all these other uh, young Force users also didn't go looking for them. Uh, or at least did, but then eventually gave up, and maybe there really was no way to find them. But I thought it was interesting that they are clearly very bitter about it. And they're kind of resentful that this Padawan has had that time with the Jedi and are kind of teasing her about, you know, no, they're never going to come looking for you. Yeah, and like, I don't blame them, right? If you've been trapped on being hunt for sport island for five years i feel like that that bitterness that nobody came back looking for you mm-hmm. definitely set in he like, might even become the green arrow what he was trapped on an island oh yeah it get embittered him in some ways there, there were a couple other experiences he had though i tried way. watching arrow and it's just there's just too much of it and he's too grumpy anyway <laughs> that's very fair it has a certain uh high school dating soap opera-ness that i quite love but it is a very very silly show in many ways um I, I did think also we got to have this one nice moment where part of the thing I, I think is most interesting about ahsoka's character is that there's so much of anakin that she has taken on but she does still cling to much more of the jedi teachings than he does and pushes back against him sometimes mm-hmm. and there's that scene where she says you know we don't kill out of hatred and so she stops um, her friend from killing the prisoner they have. Mm-hmm. It turns out to be a really dumb move because he immediately calls for help. Um, but I did think that was a nice moment because, I mean, Anakin kills out of hate all the time. We saw him do it to the, 
the Tusken Raiders in the second movie. We see him do it um, a couple of times in the show. And I felt like that is one moment where she's pushing back not only against this other Force user, but against Anakin and against what he's taught her. Yeah. Um, and like Khalifa is her name because mm-hmm. Thank I you. keep thinking Wiz Khalifa, which is not her name. Um, but yeah, she's she's almost like the leader of the the younglings um, who are there. And yeah, obviously very like lots of emotions, very angry towards this this guy who's been hunting her for sport for years. Um, so when she gets the opportunity, yeah, comes so close to killing her and, and Ahsoka is able to talk her down. But then not only does he like immediately call for help, like um, Khalifa gets gets shot and dies. Right. So like it's it feels like, you know, she's Ahsoka's taken the, the morally correct path of, of not killing out of hate. But it I mean, it resulted in the death of her friend this this youngling i don't know if they would consider each other friends but but ahsoka does kill this is back-to-back story arcs because hmm. in the citadel arc right doesn't she kill um sobek the warden well i, th- I think what i think what they're establishing is that there is a difference between killing in self-defense or you know killing as part of the fight versus killing an unarmed uh you know, defenseless prisoner. Um, and and it, it's one that I think a lot of times people establish a, like, I don't kill rule, and it means you don't do either one, which, and I feel like there's such a huge moral separation between those two that it mm. is a problem to mix the two. But it does feel like what, what Khalifa wants to do to the prisoner is very different from the way we see Ahsoka kill a number of times. Yeah. So, Sobek is the Christopher Walken guy, right? Yeah. The Christopher Walken impression. Okay. Yeah. And then at the end of this one, she kills Mark Hamill's lizard. Yeah. I didn't even catch that was his voice, but that's kind of awesome that they snuck him in a little bit. Oh, I was I wasn't sure at first. I was like, is that Mark Hamill? So we had to look it up and it it is indeed Mark Hamill. Mm -hmm. Um But yeah, I I don't know. It felt I didn't I didn't love Ahsoka stopping Khalifa from killing. I think Dahl is his name, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's correct, yeah. Um, just, I don't know. It it did feel like this morally superior move. Whereas, like, she, I mean, Ahsoka had been on this planet for, like, what, a week most? I don't know. I mean, if I was watching someone about to kill someone else, I'd probably be like, yo, stop, as well. But still, it just, I don't know. I think it was trying to show the the idea of like this is a force user who hasn't been trained and has gotten right. bitter and resentful versus you know a force user who's been told to well trained to control her emotions sort of right um, <laughs> sort yeah, of being a very good term there yeah, yeah. just ugh, I don't know I felt bad for Khalifa I definitely did too and I think I I would have loved to see a little bit more of ahsoka sitting with those feelings of kind of wondering like was stopping him stopping her from killing him uh because she i mean that's the thing is it's the kind of like and i think anakin raises this all the time it's what we just talked about before about the war of what happens when you do maybe the right thing but for the totally wrong reasons and mm-hmm. if you know she said listen he's about to call for help 
if more people are called, we're in real trouble, we have to kill him now, as part of defending ourselves, I think I believe that. Mm. I don't think that's what she was thinking. She was in a blind rage. She was choking sure. him. She wanted him dead. And I feel like, you know, Ahsoka, like, I mean, you'd never have this happen in a show because it would make any sense, but I could kind of believe her saying, like, look, please calm down. Don't <laughs> kill him out of hate. Cool, you're calm? Kill him. Like, you know, yeah, that's the yeah. way that would probably go. Um, but of course, that's not how these things work. Yeah, and I, I mean, I totally get the distinction that you're you're drawing there. But ah, I don't know. It just felt felt weird. But maybe in like a... Felt weird in a way that sort of makes sense for Ahsoka's character. And yeah. I think it was supposed to feel weird, you know? I think that's fitting. I think because she's very, I mean, she's very torn at this point. And I think mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I think so many of us were so excited that she was back in The Mandalorian and now that she has her own show is I feel like there's so much unresolved, you know, because so much of her character in Clone Wars is about the tension she's feeling. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so good. She, mm -hmm. I hated her so much in season one and by the end of the series, to completely love her to death. It's, Yeah. Yeah, perhaps one of the greatest pivots of, of of character of all time. But yeah, for sure. Riki, any so, words of wisdom? Any other things you want to add? We are Chewbacca. Ready <laughs> <laughs> yes. What? Yeah. This is how we're introduced to Chewbacca. Why yeah. is Chewbacca always getting captured? Because in, in Solo, that's how we're introduced to Chewbacca. Mm -hmm. I will say Matthew's this. favorite movie, Solo. As, as part of my dedication to the Star Wars fandom, I sometimes make sacrifices. <laughs> and this, as part of our holiday party a couple of weeks ago, I watched the original Star Wars holiday family special. Oh. Happy oh. Life Day. Yeah, all about Life Day, all about the Wookiee family that Chewbacca is a part of. Including had you, had you his seen it before? Grandfather Itchy and his son, who has another dumb name that I can't remember. Um, I had not seen it before. I'd seen bits and pieces of it. I had been warned about how wonderfully, horribly, terribly bad it was. And they were wrong. It was worse. Um, <laughs> but I was just saying, like, at, the bar had been set so low that this Chewbacca didn't bother me quite as much. So, you know, <laughs> that was, um, it was, it was, I, I feel like these five episodes kind of show the very best and the very worst of what the Clone Wars can do specifically in terms of dropping references to what comes later. Because hmm. I thought having Tarkin here was perfect. Yes. It was yeah. a great way to see his backstory, a great way to establish the um, the rivalry, but also agreeing with each other that happens between him and Tark him and Anakin, which we then see in A New Hope between him and Vader. Um, I loved that. Having Chewbacca here felt 100% like, oh, hey, look, here's a thing from the movies you love. Let's shove it in here. Um, and so to me, that's just kind of like the high point, and the low point, all in one little arc. Yeah, and we've seen other Wookies, right? Like it could just be like, here's a Wookie who is angry and good with technology, and Kashyyyk's nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, right? Like it didn't. There was no payoff for it being Chewbacca, other than like, oh, it's Chewbacca. Neat. The payoff is that this is how he meets Yoda. Establishing a lifelong friendship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, oh gosh, is just so, so, so weird, right? 
Yes. You know, I think one of the things about the Clone Wars TV shows is that they have to fit into all of the canon that's established by the clone by the second and third movie, mm. which limits it in a lot of ways. And we're just sort of you have to remember sometimes that these are made for kids in some ways, and that they're a lot of things they got to fit into. I mean, I I'm never going to defend it. I think the Clone Wars is a show with some brilliant, brilliant moments, a lot of great stuff, and a lot of weak moments. And Chewbacca showing up is definitely on that list <laughs> well it is i mean now that you bring it up right like obviously yoda has to meet well doesn't have to meet but has met chewbacca before the third movie but chewbacca can't meet obi-wan mm-hmm. because they don't meet until new hope so like there has to be a scenario where yoda meets chewbacca and so like it might as well be now but yeah it just felt like we got no we got no payoff from seeing chewbacca other than like a fun name drop, yeah, it, and it could have just, been like, any yeah. Wookiee, and that would have made, worked just as well. No, it had to be Chewbacca. I wanted, I would have preferred them to keep hitting the puck even further into the past, and like <laughs> it, at the end of this episode when they rescue Chewbacca, have Yoda go, "Oh, friend Chewbacca, you were on this planet," and then she's like, "What? They knew each other already <laughs> before, <laughs> even more in the past." Because Chewbacca is supposed to be like 200 years old or something, right? That's what mm-hmm. they said mm-hmm. in Solo. Yeah. So maybe they do have a, a friendship that goes back centuries. It's like the long And just like never, never actually show it. Right. That would but be just funny. like keep referencing it. Yeah. That, that would be great if Yoda was like, oh, hey, it's my pal Chewbacca yeah. who I already know <laughs> at this point. That'd it's, be great. It's kind of like Picard Guinan. Yeah. Like, oh, we're just <laughs> friends. It's like, how do you know Captain Picard? I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't ask questions. I, I'll just close on the on the one other mo- moment that I really love from this episode, these last couple episodes, and it'll kind of take us out on a good note. At the very end, there's this very touching scene between Anakin and Ahsoka, where they talk about how they both were so worried, and um, Anakin says that he feels like he failed her, and Ahsoka says these really beautiful things about how. You know, she only survived because of everything he taught her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and it's like it's a touching moment, but it's also kind of an acknowledgement of these are not normal Jedi, and that if she was a normal Padawan, she maybe couldn't have uh, gotten away the way she did and survived the way she did and helped the others the way she did. And then they walk away, and we just see Yoda giving this very, like, thoughtful and a little bit concerned look. And I just love the subtlety of that, because I thought that was also Yoda starting to be like, what what is happening with these two and is this a good thing yeah i think like yoda's sort of been questioning that all all along right like ever since ever since anakin was like a kid right um this idea of anakin having too much attachment well he didn't was it yoda or mace or both they didn't want anakin to be a jedi yeah, Ma- yeah. mace was always kind of hostile to him but yoda was the one who specifically thought he shouldn't be a jedi so th- there's definitely there but then again, it leads to, okay, you were giving concerned looks, but why didn't you ever do anything? Yeah. And I think that's a question we're going to ask a lot more as we get further into the season. Because his series. friend Chewbacca is here, and they're going to have drinks. <laughs> He's like, ah, Chewbacca, buddy. Clearly, clearly. All right, let's go into a, there's one little thing, it's not big, but I want to discuss it in a spoiler section. So, for everyone who's been a part of this, thank you so much. Um, as I said, I hope you are going to stick around for all the great new content we have. Um, if you want to Contact us, write into us, and tell us what you think. I've now moved all my social media uh, for the different podcasts I do to the Ethical Panda. 
So you can go to theethicalpanda.com, find all the ways to contact me, find everything about the different podcasts I do. And all those podcasts are part of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. And there you can find as well all my stuff, my contact information, as well as a lot of other great info about all the other podcasts on that network. So please definitely check that out. And if you haven't seen the the rest of this show and don't want to be spoiled about something pretty big, um, I'd say turn off now. And we'll go into a spoiler section in three, two, one. Watching Echo, Echo be quote unquote <laughs> killed hits so much harder knowing what, what happens to him, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I was a bit surprised that it happened here. I mean, I, I guess they did say that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're talking about season seven here when they go and rescue Echo. Well, yeah, yeah. This is so. This is how they get Echo to like. Yeah. They sort of what do they they like reprogram him slash program in Order sixty six. No, I forget they, what exactly happens. It's been a while since I've seen episode seven. They it's, use his brain. Seven. They they yeah. like plug him in like cyborg style mm-hmm. and use his brain to like guess Rex's tactics mm-hmm. because he was so close to Rex. Okay. Yeah. But he's like around <clears throat> and he survives and then he's like really messed up, right? Well, yeah, they he... rest. They go and rescue him and unplug him, and then at the end of that arc, he joins the Bad Batch. Oh, right. So yeah. presumably he will appear in the Bad Batch cartoon. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, but sure. it was, this was just like, it didn't occur to me when I watched this the first time that he could survive or that he would be that important. Mm-hmm. So it it feels tacked on in a sense. Like yeah. seeing it now, I'm like, oh no, like this is when they lost Echo. But there's no way like you would ever, he was like, he was named. But it was treated as kind of like a red shirt death. Yeah, well, I think it's meant to be like a little more than a red shirt, right? Because when, mm-hmm. I mean, I I'd forgotten clearly about about uh, Echo joining the the Bad Batch and that whole shebang. Um, and when Echo died, I was like, "Oh, Echo!" And then Riku yeah. was like, "This is where they get him." And I was like, "Huh? Oh, Echo!" Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. I don't think they had that planned. Sure. So. I- I don't think they had that planned. I think we don't see his body. And so I think we were, I had the impression that they maybe left it as kind of a dangling, like, hey, maybe we could do something with this at a later point. Mm -hmm. Let's not show his body. But I think you're right. Like, I don't think it was planned out all that well. And I think knowing knowing how they resolve that storyline, if they could rewrite these episodes, I think they would to give that more weight and have like a scene where Rex is like really heartbroken about it. Yeah. Because they give Evan Peel like a bigger send off than Echo. Well, and ultimately, like in in the history of the show, Master Peel doesn't matter, right? Sure, right. but Master Peel was a Jedi, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Echo was just a clone. Which I think is, and this is one of those moments where, like, I'm not sure if the writers realize what they're doing, but <laughs> certainly a major theme of the show has been that the Jedi lives matter much more than the clones. Oh, do. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you disagree? No, but I knew he was going to use that phrasing. And mm-hmm. it carries the exact same kind of weight, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, so that was the only thing I wanted to say spoiler-wise. Was there anything you all wanted to get into about little stuff uh, that we saw here that pops up in the rest of the show? Uh, I don't know if it's spoilery, but in The Mandalorian, Ahsoka's hair bothered me. Why is it so short? Why isn't her hair longer? That's, oh. I guess, the only thing. 
her uh, the her hair the tentacles the loop uh, her like meat hair yeah I don't yeah know. <laughs> meat yeah. hair I think I think tentacle uh, yeah they're called leku and and there is actually a reason for that my understanding is um they originally designed the costume with leku that were much longer but then it just became impossible for the actress and the stunt double to do all the fighting in them because the weight was so heavy uh and that to me feels like a totally fine like adjust the costume for the reality of live action so I, I yeah. can see it being a little bothering but it. It seems like there's a good reason for it. That that makes sense. I'm happier to know there was a reason, and it's not just like like they, they tried, I guess. Because um, yeah, it looked she looked a little weird. It's like you yeah. need you need bigger hair, but okay. Well, it's good to know. Leku, Leku, um, Leku. All right. Uh, I don't know. I have a affinity for meat hair. But... <laughs> That's perfectly okay too. <laughs> uh, and the other sort of Mandalorian ish e spoiler thing. Um, that I wanted to, to talk about, well, connect actually, it was like Chewbacca coming in at the end of this last arc felt so much like Luke coming in at the end of the Mandalorian. Boo. Oh, I, I loved Luke at the end. You were not one who was a fan of that? I was not. Really? I okay, think, either one of you were. Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think I'm, I don't think I'm as big of not a fan as Ricky. There were enough negatives in that sentence. Um, like it didn't, it didn't hugely bother me. It just kind of confused me. Um, mm-hmm. Like, so Luke knows that there's another Jedi, but then when he meets Rey, like, what does he not know about Gorgu anymore? What happened to Gorgu? Right. I mean, so it just... I, I think clearly something happened to Grogu. Um, Grogu. I mean, I think I think the the logical thing to imagine is that um, Kylo Ren killed him. As part of like tearing down the Jedi, the Jedi Academy, uh, we no, don't. He becomes Snoke. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> <laughs> we we have no idea, and I um, I, I don't want to get too into that because I discussed that uh, we discussed that quite a lot in the last couple episodes of the the Mandalorian um, uh, re, uh, watch that we we did episodes on. But now I am sorry that we didn't have one of you on because um, we would have discussed that further, and maybe that's something we can discuss in the comments. Because um, we'll I'm sorry that I had to be writing. It's a good topic thesis. to get into. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, I would have. I I would have loved to have been. I love the Mandalorian. It's great. I wish I could have been on those uh, those episodes with y'all. But yeah, it's just mm-hmm. buried. School, real life. Episode. It happens. It happens. Well, I'm so glad you guys could make time for this today. I'm really excited to go over more of the Clone Wars with you all and and the Rebels and just we have this great collection of people now who are diving into all the Star Wars content. Um, I I'm I'm actually doing two more podcasts tonight because I make bad decisions. But um, one of the things I'm looking forward to later tonight or tomorrow, the new Star Wars High Republic book was just published, the first one. We'll be doing a review of that at some point. Um, we've got some people who want to do, who talk about the, the Star Wars Fallen Order video game. So a lot of great content. Please stick around with us. Uh, follow us on The Ethical Panda, Twitter, Facebook. Check out strandedpanda.com. And thank you so much. Have a great day. Kenobi. Kenobi. Gotta get that grievous in there. Oh,